Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 54 for coverage of the 2009 British Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and I'd like to wish a happy Father's Day to everyone out there, both to my dad, who's sitting behind the recording desk today, and also to my brother, who became a dad just six days ago. Yeah, how about that? Congratulations to all of them. And uh, I'd like to announce that Jim and I are much better rested than the last time you heard from us. Absolutely. That 24-hour race, man, that was great, but uh, it certainly got tiring at the end. <laughs> Yikes. So um, I'm not sure, did much happen since the last race? I don't or think should we just jump into the... I don't think there's really been no. any political news or anything. I, mean, so let's... I, I can't think of anything myself. Oh, wait, no, wait, there was that one thing with uh, the FIA and the, the Max, uh, some guy, Max... Yeah, there was some like nonprofit group called FOTA that wanted to have a sponsorship or something like that. All right, so I'm I'm trying to think where where we left. <laughs> I off don't even know where with to the start coverage here. of this. Um, yeah, so the, you know, just to to kind of back up for a second, the uh, you know FIA obviously made they make the rules. That's Max Mosley um, and and his team. They make the rules for the Formula One Championship, for World Rally, for GT, for a whole bunch of different series. Um, but here we're we're all about F1, and there's been a lot of discontent over. The drastic rule changes and, you know, not really giving teams a lot of notice and, you know, introducing budget caps and changing scoring systems. Like, they've been, there's just been a lot of backlash against a whole lot of decisions that they've made. And that backlash... Over, over several years. Over several years. Uh, most notably, though, in the last sort of two years, year and a half kind of time frame. And uh, most notably, though, is uh, introducing uh, budget caps for next year. Um, I think the teams just do not like this. They say, you know, they're sort of going around they're not they're not consulting and negotiating with the teams but they're just kind of laying down the law and saying this is how it's going to be if you want to be in formula one you've got to meet these requirements and finally the teams have kind of backed up and it's it's very joined much each like other a, it's like a dictatorship they don't say hey this is we're thinking of trying ways to cut costs in formula one so yeah in the, in the past it's been kind of a benevolent dictator and when everything's good the teams don't really care you know they're making the rules everyone's following the rules they're building they're you know building cars to the specs and that's great but when it starts to get tricky, now the teams have banded together and created just, I think, a year and a half ago, the FOTA for Formula One Teams Association. And now they catchy. Yeah. And so it's almost like a union standing up against the employer. Now they've said, said, wait a minute, guys, if you want us and these are top teams. I mean, this is Ferrari, Red Bull, Renault, everybody Toyota. but Williams and Force India. Yeah, everybody. But, but, you know, some of the bottom two teams right now. Yeah. Um, and and also, I guess we should note not the new teams. I mean, this doesn't include Campos and Manor and uh, and USF One, right? But of course, it wouldn't because they're not yet Formula One teams. But um, they have now backed up and said, okay, um, you know, they try to negotiate, but I guess the FIA framework doesn't have a whole lot of room for negotiation. It doesn't have a process of approving these things or voting on it or, or judging what's what are good ideas and what should move forward. And they certainly don't consult the fans on these things. I mean, some of the things they say. Oh, like the qualifying rules, this will benefit the fans, but that's just kind of, you know, some guys in a boardroom decide this is what the fans want rather than actually necessarily going out to the fans. So um, now the FOTA has said, okay, we've had enough with uh, just dealing with, you know, the rule changes and so many costs and, and then the budget cap. What really, I think, you know, finally did it was the idea of the, the implementation of the budget caps. And I think a lot of the FOTA is okay with budget caps, but the way that they approach that where if you – decide to do the budget cap, you have a different set of rules applied to you as far as capabilities of the car. Right. 
the two-tiered system that we've heard a fair amount about. Right. So, um, for example, you'd have more more flexibility in a movable aerodynamic wing, so you could adjust it up and down potentially, you know, as many times as you want throughout a race. You, you wouldn't have engine rev yeah, limits. Different rev caps, you yeah. know, different use of curves, just all kinds of really different regulations. And so that would just tarnish a victory would mean kind of different things. You'd almost have two classes, oh, the best of the budget capped cars and best of the rest. And right, right. It'd be, it'd be different who would be faster where would, um, you know, change on track to track. And, of course, what the teams that spent you know, unlimited money, that's different from one team to the next. So right. it's, it's, it's just kind of all over the map with where the championship would be if that went in place. And never mind the fact that uh, none of the fans really want this, none of the teams really want this. I mean, definitely we want to cut costs, we want Formula One to be sustainable, but, you know, the idea of just going from $400 million to $45 million in one season, that's insane. And that's the other. So the two big things I'm thinking about, if it's not one thing, it's another. They've already had major rule changes for 2009. Yeah, which ironically are supposed to cut costs but end up being huge development costs to design right. whole new engines and whole new aerodynamics. Which has just become the new norm these yeah, past few years. But they've the, frozen engines, so we haven't seen engine development, so it's kind of getting right. away from its pinnacle of motorsport. They, right. You know, gearboxes have to last four races, and it's just getting, you know, it's very, very restricted. Right. So now they announced for 2010 they want budget caps of 45 million pounds. That's one season. Why so fast? And here's the other thing. I mean, the thing that this wasn't even that long ago, they were talking about uh, standardized engines, mm -hmm. just having Cosworth supply engines. I mean, and everyone went up in arms like, what do you mean standardized engines? Why would we ever want that for this sport? Why would Ferrari want to race and, you know, say, oh, a Ferrari won with a Cosworth engine? Right, yeah. exactly. So if it's, one, if it's not one thing, it's another. And then the key critical thing was is that it was just a big pissing contest. On who was tougher, you know, the compromise was uh, little to none, and uh, the uh, FIA, Max Mosley basically said, you're either in, you're out, and we can discuss compromises after you agreed to our terms without compromise. Yeah, and that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, technically what came up last week was um, the teams had to sign up to say, I want to be in Formula 1 next year, and all the teams did, and we thought that was good news. Um, but but they, they did so with conditions. Right. They all signed up with provisions saying, I will be in Formula One if certain things are changed about the budget caps and, and all that. And the FIA, I think it was just like last Friday, um, their deadline was you need to take off those restrictions or you need to take off the restrictions or you're taking your name off the list entirely. And that was a deadline. And uh, you know, But then he said, take your uh, name off the restrictions and you come in and then we can compromise and talk about yeah, how like, are we can do this. Once you've agreed that you don't have any power anymore, then we'll talk about it. So yeah. yeah, and that doesn't sound shady at all to me. I don't know about you. Right. So the long story long story short, the FOTA said, you know what? Screw it. We're going to start our own series. Yes, and this is this is changing all the time. I mean, this is the latest information as of just after the British Grand Prix. But so far, it seems like there's they're not really working. I mean, maybe they're working on, but they're not close to a compromise of any sort. The uh, the team the uh, the eight teams have said, yep, we're going to start our own series. We're, that's what we're doing. It's, and that is going to be that series will be the pinnacle of motorsport. And that's going to have all the top teams in it, the top brands people know, the top drivers. Already the drivers have started coming out. Fernando Alonso, Kimi Raikkonen, they're saying, yeah, I'll drive for a breakaway series. I don't care. You know, I want to drive for the top thing, whether that's Formula One, if that's something else. Or GP1. I'll, I'll jump ship, yeah. Um, and then the question kind of becomes, well, many questions, one of them is, yeah. what does the FIA do to those teams? I mean, there's, and there's, I'm sure, teams of lawyers working on this on both sides, yeah. trying to figure out who can sue whom in this, who's breaking what contracts. Well, I mean, yeah, the, Bernie Ecclestone's always, already been on record saying, I'm going to sue everybody for hundreds of millions of dollars because you guys are messing up my thing. Yeah. You know, the FIA has control over many of the racetracks over Europe, and just like you said earlier, they control several other racing series other than F1. Yep. So they have all sorts of control 
over tracks and uh, promoters and different things outside of the Formula One world. It's like you might be able to do this GP1 race, but then you'll never race any kind of uh, FIA uh, sanctioned event ever. Right. And the tracks, if they say, if you, okay, if you as a track agree to have a GP1 event, if that's what they end up calling it, if this happens, then they say, oh, well, you'll never get an FIA event ever again. So no GT cars, no Porsche Super Cup, none of this stuff. And that's, you know, could prevent, they, they could have a chilling effect and really prevent all the other, you know, tracks and, and potentially drivers even from, from signing up. Uh, but you wonder, you know, how relevant the FIA would really be uh, having lost its its top level, its pinnacle of motorsport. And it's really a road that we don't want to go down. No, I mean, here's the thing. Us Americans know how this game goes. We know where the end is. We know what happens. Everyone loses. There's no winners here. And uh, this is something that I actually I wrote a blog post on the F1 show, on F1show.com. Uh, if you're interested, check that out. Uh, everyone at Facebook already knows about it. Um, we've had some conversations there. It is just a bad idea. Yeah, the teams think that they can govern themselves. And they, and think, they, and they just can't. Yeah, that's basically what it comes they down to. They just cannot. I mean, think about, think about the egos that run uh, Formula One teams. Think about Flavio Briatore compromising with, um, oh, I don't know, pick one. Christian know, Horner. <laughs> Christian Horner. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean... I think it's absolutely insane that they think they can do better, and I think it's completely insane that they think, oh, it's not going to be like Champ Car in the IRL because this is different. It's not. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, so just to be clear as far as our, our opinions, I think we agree that the FOTA has a point, you know, that they oh, should have more say and more I, control. I think we're on the FOTA side yes, here for ultimately. the most part. But I don't think anyone, and, and actually we saw an interview with Martin Wishmarsh of uh, Whitmarsh of McLaren today Wishmarsh, saying, shoo, shoo. yes, you know we don't want two championships. Nobody actually wants two championships. Um, you know, competing for fans, competing for money, that would just be bad for both. And then, like what happened here in the U.S., where everyone just went to NASCAR, then maybe everyone will go over to sports car racing or something else and just say that F, that open wheel stuff at F1, GP1, it's confusing. And the money is weird, and the teams, and you know, no one knows. It's just, it just kind of yeah. go get away from it. And you know what? I mean, the F one's already losing fans as it is because of the politics. I yeah. mean, they need to get away from this. What people, what people don't like about F one isn't the racing and the drivers and the cars. It's the politics. It's the rules and the rule changes. Mm -hmm. And if you guys keep reinventing yourself every year, the teams can't keep up. And the the fans can't keep up. And guess what? If you don't have teams, you don't have fans. You don't have a race series. So, exactly. Now, here's the thing. So the FOTA says we can do it better and that it's not it's not a breakaway series. So we're not splitting because we're all united. We're all going at the same time. But you're not. First of all, Williams and Force India have committed themselves to Formula One. There's three new teams coming to Formula One, the ones you mentioned just a couple minutes ago. Guess what? That's five versus eight. That's a split. Another thing, there was 15 entries requests to join Formula One for 2010 with the budget caps. So Formula One can have a completely full grid if it wants to. And guess what? They will probably go ahead and try to do that. So you know what you'd have? Two competing series. You know what that is? A split. Yeah. And guess what? <laughs> Everyone loses. It's, it just will not work. Yeah. And we've already, we already bought the URL, the F1 show. We're not going to get the GP1 show. Oh, we should get well, that. Oh, we should get that. <laughs> I'll work on that. Okay. So, okay, there's news on, coming out on this all the time, and we really hope that this is a negotiation tactic, that they'll take this back and, you know, maybe – and there's, you know, some meetings coming up. There are, what, three weeks until the next Grand Prix. Um, yes. And I think overall these are the kind of decisions that should either be made – and I know there's not much of an off-season in F1, but if they were talking about these things, you know, 
they shouldn't be doing it on a Grand Prix weekend, for one. I mean, this shouldn't affect, no. you know, the team principals having meetings while they're also working on a strategy for the race. And First of all, there's no that. water. There's no yacht. Yeah, there's, there's no meetings on yachts. They go to, the, they go to Red, Renault's facility there. The Flav's probably got a land yacht there. Probably, it's like shaped it's, like a yacht. It's just parked the there. Um, to turn on the ocean wave music, the background music. Yeah, no, he's got that. No, he, he flies in the ocean for that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really a, it's a big deal there. He's got sharks in a tank the whole night. It's great, it's pretty, yeah. It's pretty sweet. Um, so this should be, you know, maybe in the, in, in the break where there's a couple weeks between Grand Prix, um, a meeting in a boardroom, possibly a court, whatever, where people can be, you know, making these decisions. And also this should be... We, you know, we shouldn't be talking about 2010 here. This should be, you know, Absolutely. everything should be set for 2010 because of the, the development cycle of this stuff, you know, to be changing, I mean, even changing the medals and points system like they were talking about yeah. or changing oh, the regulations God. and Don't changing the whole budget caps. This should be like 2011, maybe 2012 even, where they can put the ideas out there. They can work this out. They can get to an agreement and say, okay, now that we know a year and a half in advance, now we can start, you know, building our team because they're going to have to have drastic you know pay not new pay cuts but personnel cuts at all these teams if they want to you know meet this kind of goals and they're going to have to restructure a serious amount of these teams if they want to do it and to do that halfway through 2009 for the 2010 season is just ludicrous anyway yeah so okay hopefully they work something out yeah i mean that's Um, that's the that's the critical thing right work something out do not underestimate the badness that could happen. I almost want to say the fickleness of fans. I mean, to we, you know, we like Formula One, but at the same time, if it starts to get just really, you know, teams we've never heard of, and it's less and less relevant as far as technology and all that, then you know, we're we're maybe less fickle than some. But there's a lot of people that'll just yeah. change the channel yeah. to whatever else is on on Sunday, and uh, that would just be bad all around. Or how about this? How about this for a turn of events? Bernie and Max, guess what? IndyCars is once again reunited. It is now one series. Do you want something from the early mid '90s to happen again? Do you want? Do you want the? You know, want? You want Lewis Hamilton to come race for Newman Haas and win a championship over here? Do you want fans to come to America and come away from Formula One? Yeah, because it could happen. Yeah, it could. I mean, I th- I think more likely it's probably going to be you know sports car racing and all that because I think there's been that, I, that's where a lot of the interesting stuff is happening with with you know hybrid powertrains and diesel and everything else. I mean, obviously we just covered the Le Mans, the actual 24 at Le Mans, but. There's a lot going on there, and I think that a lot of fan interest seems to be moving that way, and that, I think, is their biggest threat for fans and That's for, That's for absolutely money. true. But I, uh, and uh, Stefano Domenicali was driving in, in the 24. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different ways it could go, but none certainly. of the ways are good for the current Formula One teams. M- maybe NASCAR goes worldwide, man. I'm telling you. Could be. I'm okay. telling you. Coca-Cola presents the Monaco Grand Prix, powered by Intel. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so that's the politics. But there was a race this weekend, and before there was a race, there was qualifying. Yes, qualifying. And I guess, once again, it's, it's only more fun to start from the bottom. And uh, Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, a dreadful, dreadful weekend. I mean, starting, we'll start with Saturday here. But, uh, man, Lewis Hamilton, it's his home Grand Prix. You know, there's still, he's still got a lot of fans there. I mean, looking, there was a lot of McLaren support in the, fan, in the, in the stands. Out in the first round, yeah. 19th. On the grid. And I think he was the absolute last on the actual grid for the start of the race because uh, Buemi started in the pits, if I'm not mistaken, or somebody did. Sutil started in the pits, okay. So uh, Lewis Hamilton, 19th, just just awful, awful. I mean, this McLaren car, no good. But then again, Heike Kovalainen, 13th. Yeah, he made it into Q2 at least. Yeah, and Hamilton was just struggling all the way around. I mean, I don't think it was a fluke, um, you know, just, oh, he had it and just kind of lost it at one point. I mean, that car was just terrible this weekend. They were yeah. fighting it the whole time. If I can put my driver's hat on for just a moment, uh, you know, it, understeer on entry, understeer, understeer, whoa, oversteer, oversteer on exit, which is the slowest, slowest for both. You yeah. want you want the car neutral on entry 
to uh, you know be able to turn the car nicely, and you want it good and stable in the exit so you can get the power down. And it was the exact opposite yeah, of that. It, so. was, it was no good. Um, so yeah, knocked out in Q1. We had Fisichella um, Bourdais taking a big step down from his Le Mans result to be 17th. Uh, Adrian Sutil in the uh, in the Force India because he had a big big crash and uh, didn't get a whole lot of laps done. Yeah, absolutely walloped the wall there. And uh, so it was an actually red flag the session at the very end of uh, of the first qualifying session. Yeah, Q1 with 24 seconds left was red flagged and they did you know they did start the session again but he it was worthless to everybody. And Sebastian Boyman went out and did, did a big lap, did one more lap after <laughs> with 24 seconds. He didn't no, improve with, his time with no hope of enough. even setting a time. Yeah. Yeah. So because all you could do is once you go out, you couldn't even cross the start. Uh, finish line without come back into the, the pits. Yeah, that was yeah. it. So. so that's great. Anyway, but uh, yeah, moving forward, there Q2 know. saw the demise of Nick Heidfeld, yeah. Nelson Piquet, yeah. Heike Kovalainen only made it to 13th in the McLaren. Um, Robert Kubica and uh, Felipe Massa was actually out 11th. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Felipe Massa uh, not being able to even get into Q3 while his teammate uh, Kimi Raikkonen did no sweat. Yep. So Kimi Raikkonen ended up, ended up on 9th with uh, Fernando Alonso 10th. Um, and, the, and the other Renault. Um, Timo Glock in eighth with uh, Nico ahead of him, and Jensen Button only to sixth spot. Yeah, Jensen has been struggling all weekend. Yeah, big ex- expectations, of course. I mean, he's been just, you know, it's been him and Vettel just dominating so far this season, and uh, it's, you know, mostly Jensen. And uh, it, to come to his home race, and there's a lot of fans, a lot of people said, finally, you know, you know, we had Hamilton, but now we got Jensen, and he's really, you know, he's been in the sport for longer, and we're really behind him, and we're all excited. And he just did not have the car set up. I don't know if the temperatures were different from they expected or what, but uh, you only to a sixth spot in qualifying. You know, it was just not really even contention for the pole. Yeah, but uh, his teammate, Rubens Barrichello, second place. Yeah. Very, very, very close to pole, but not there because Sebastian Vettel owned it yeah, today. Dude. He just... Woo-hoo, go Vettel! <laughs> go Vettel indeed. <laughs> and, uh, okay, note from the engineer there. Uh, yeah, Yarno truly in fourth, um, and Mark Weber in third. I mean, Weber was looking really good too. There was a chance I thought for a minute there he may have it and uh, and actually have a real good result. But actually, Weber was pretty steamed uh, at the uh, post uh, post qualifying conference because uh, Kimi Raikkonen was slow. He was just he was slowing down. He was trying to be out of the way, but he was out of way out of the way on the racing line and totally screwed Mark Weber up. This was entering Stowe. Yep. And Weber said that killed, you know, that cost him a couple of three-tenths right yeah, there. Yeah, Weber didn't mince words. Oh, I don't know what he was doing. Drinking he, a vodka or something. He said a vodka or yeah, something. So yeah, so that, a little, little bit of drama there. But, uh, yeah, that's in, on, you know, no penalty, though, because it's Ferrari, so they don't get penalties right. for, for holding people up and qualifying. So, yeah, no, Kimi, uh, Kimi did start at the uh, at ninth spot where he qualified. So, after qualifying, we go into the race. Everyone expected, including the F1 show, that Jensen Button would absolutely rule his homecoming event at Silverstone, but a couple of folks from the team with wings had other plans. Button's sixth place position on the grid is his poorest of the year, and things only got worse at the start for the championship leading Brit. While Vettel rocketed off the line from pole, Jensen got caught behind Truly, who once again had a dreadful start, and lost three places to ninth on the opening lap. Up front, no one could catch Vettel, the 21-year-old German extending his lead by more than a second per lap. And while Rubens Barrichello had nothing for Vettel, he did manage to keep Aussie Mark Webber behind him throughout his first stint. On lap 21, after many of the front-running cars have already pitted, Mark Webber stopped for almost 12 seconds worth of fuel. Despite this, he re-entered the track just ahead of Rubens and stayed there for the duration. 
In the meantime, Vettel also pitted his just-updated Red Bull chassis, got fuel, had a drink, checked his stock portfolio, and re-entered the track still in the lead. Massa made the most of his heavy fuel load, climbing to second place before his first pit stop on lap 24. With the first round of pit stops complete, hometown hero Jensen Button was chugging along in eighth place. On lap 35, Sebastian Bourdais clipped Hecky Kovalainen's left rear tire with his front wing. The damage proved just bad enough for both cars that they drove into the garage nose first, day done. Fifteen circuits later, Jensen Button ended a long stint with his second pit stop. For his efforts, he leapfrogged to sixth, just behind Williams driver Nico Rosberg. Ahead on the track, both Red Bull cars set the cruise for the last ten laps of the race. And in a decisive manner, Vettel the Kid wins the British Grand Prix. Teammate Mark Webber was next to cross the line, giving Red Bull its second 1-2 finish this season. Next in line came the top Braun GP car, piloted by Rubens Barrichello, getting the better of his teammate for the first time in 2009. Felipe Massa finished fourth, a reasonable result for Ferrari this season. He was followed by Nico Rosberg, who continues his streak of solid finishes. And the man of the hour, the crowd favorite, Jensen Button could only manage three little points for his sixth place finish. Certainly not what he hoped for. Yarno Trulli finished seventh in his Toyota. He was followed by Mr. Coke and Ice Cream himself, collecting a point in the second Ferrari. Jim, should Jensen be worried? I'm not sure you should be worried, but today Sebastian Vettel and the Red Bull just had it worked out. It was, it was, a, you know, like we said, he just dominated in qualifying, and there was never a chance. I mean, no one came up to pass him or was even close at all in the race. I mean, he started out, like you said, about a second a lap uh, off of Rubens' time. Um, it did look like Mark Webber was being held up behind Rubens, so I kind of wonder if Rubens hadn't been there to split the pair, if, if Mark Webber had been right up behind Vettel, uh, he may have been able to keep pace a little bit and, and possibly with pit strategy and perhaps, maybe, maybe perhaps, some yeah. moves through traffic or whatever, maybe make you know some ground. But, man, Vettel just had this thing by the, you know, by the scruff of its neck today and, and just never looked back. No, not, I mean, not even close. Vettel was comfortable out there. He claims it was anything but easy. Mm -hmm. So we think might have been laxative. Could have, but, been, could have been tasty, could but, have been anything, anything but, but it, easy. But it wasn't easy, but it certainly looked easy from our point of view. He had, a, he had enough of a lead to pit and stay in the lead after the first round of pit stops. Yep. Uh, he, he was second place for two laps while, you know, while Mark, well, during he cycled the, during through. During the second pit yep, stop. Well, while Mark Weber um, lead, you know, led for two laps and then he, and he pitted again. But, I mean, yeah, it was, it was just a flawless drive from Sebastian today. Right. After his second pit stop, he uh, he was just on cruise control. He'd slowed way down. He was still 15 seconds ahead of Mark Webber, who yeah. was 15 seconds ahead of Rubens Barrichello. And, and Vettel's finish. slowing way down was, was like a 122, which is the same as basically everyone else could manage as, the, as their <laughs> exactly. 10 tenths. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's the, the updates on the Red Bull chassis are, are impossible to ignore. Um, really frustrating day for Webber, I'm sure. I mean, having been held up in qualifying, and I think that really... Set him up for the whole. I mean, he ended up second, and and he can only the only possibility to be better than that would be if he won. But uh, I think this this could have been Weber's maiden pole. Could have been, you know, who knows? But could have been a victory. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure he's disappointed about that. But, but I mean, he I mean, has man, to, Red Bull, good job, guys, <laughs> one two. And Mark Weber has to take a philosophical approach to this. Lots of people thought, oh well, you know, Mark Weber is just going to be shown how old and slow he is. Now that he's got Vettel as a teammate, and that's just not been the case. He's kept up with him just fine. Yep. He was a threat for pole. He did have something to have to him. I mean, this isn't a Ralph Schumacher, oh, there was lots of traffic, I couldn't get a lap in. This is 
genuinely someone specifically blocked him in a critical part of the track. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he has been not as quick as Vettel, but very, very close. And the circumstances come right. He could get his first pole. He could get his first win. Yeah. So um, Braun says they're still, you know, they're not, they're not scrambling to, to fix anything yet. They say, yeah, you know, we, we know this and actually the last track as well in Turkey they didn't expect to be the class of the field, and if you remember, it was only basically because of Vettel's mistake where Button got around him in Turkey and ended up, you know, capitalizing on that. So they say, you know what, we're okay. Um, they're going to uh, Nurburgring next, and they feel like that that should suit the Braun cars pretty well, and and they go on from there. So um, I think the Red Bull guys must just feel great though. The updates to the car obviously have worked and done well, and uh, they're just going to be able to, to keep on moving forward with that. But the other person I want to mention today as a solid drive. Um, it's Felipe Massa actually in the Ferrari started 11th and finished fourth. That yeah. was just it. Just seemed like really good strategy compounded with a good drive. Well, first of all, it was dry, so he didn't have to loop it eight times. Yeah, he didn't spin and, <laughs> six times or whatever. Second of all, uh, he he was out in Q2, so he made the most of it and filled his tank up with fuel. Yep. And uh, yeah, he just stayed consistent, stayed dry. I don't know how because not only did Kimi out qualify him, Kimi had a rocket start. Kimi went from like ninth to fifth. Uh, right at the opening stages of the race, but then somehow uh, Kimi ended up eighth, Massa fourth. So yeah, Massa just there, kept making passes. I yeah. think he had he had you know good strategy, and uh, Kimi and, and, and Massa were the only two with Kurz this weekend. Everyone else has given up on Kurz. Ferrari still had it, and uh, he says you know that did help him make some passes and it made him really hard to pass uh, to be passed. So you know the Kurz was helpful for just the Ferraris. Um, I think this has kind of. I don't know if it's quite the nail in the coffin yet, but uh, I think the FIA and, and, and FOTA agree that Kurz was just pretty much a, a costly flop, that it didn't end up being the, the, you know, the great boon for passing that everyone hoped it would be, and, uh, it's, which is too bad because it's, it's interesting to see you know, Formula One really doing some development and something that, that's directly relevant to road cars. But at the same time, you know, it's not, it wasn't a dramatic increase, and, and like you and I have said, um, Having you know an unlimited or, or less limited curves would be more interesting. I mean, if they could make 300 horsepower Absolutely. out of the battery packs and go for it, you know, something like that. But the the, the boost is not a huge amount. And it's not for a huge amount. I mean, 6.6 yeah, it's, it's, seconds it's, of 80 horsepower. It's is still not. a great idea. It was just implemented extremely poorly. And again, it's just one of these things where they throw these throw it into the rules, and then they neuter it in the rules as well and it's just more than anything it's just a shame yeah and it's it's too bad that a bunch of money was spent on this um by mclaren and ferrari and uh, and i think who's a bmw and uh and just to have nothing you know all the other guys say you know what for reliability we're not going to run it forget it um that's it's it's a big shame big waste of money um but you know just solid drive for Massa today i mean he's i think he's sort of getting a little bit better than that car deserves and uh it's good to see you know especially with the recent poor results for ferrari um, to see them kind of putting that behind them, putting some of these strategic errors and all these things behind them, and uh, to make the most out of 11th spot start, uh, you know, good job. Yeah, and they got to keep pushing. they got to get that car strong by Italy. That's going to be imperative. And uh, we have to give credit where credit's due. Rubens Barrichello was on the podium. He represented Braun GP. For whatever reason, Jensen was struggling all weekend and just couldn't put it together. Uh, Rubens knows this track well, and he, he's a... Former winner here, and he he did a good job, and he deserves it. He looks awful. He just looks like a beat up. You're not, you're not a fan unshaved. of the scruff, man. I, he needs he needs one of those celebrity makeovers. He or needs something. an image he, consultant. But I mean, that doesn't take away from his drive, and he deserves credit. Now, next person I want to talk to happens to be the next person on the grid here, Nico Rosberg, finishing fifth. Yet another strong strong drive from the 23 year old German. 
he was the fastest lap. He had the fastest lap of the non-Red Bull cars, uh, third fastest lap at a 121.054. He's just been really strong these last few races. I mean, since Monaco, he's just been putting in solid points, place finishes. Yeah, I think they've been trying to focus less on uh, ultimate speed during practice and actually get some of the qualifying and some of the race pace going. Curiously, though, today he was out-qualified by his teammate Kaz Nakajima by two spots. That's true, but this racecraft wasn't there for Kaz, and uh, and I, I think Nico still deserves credit. And maybe maybe that was a race strategy decision. Let's put more fuel in the car. And uh, we, you know, we're a limited... We usually get a little bit more in-depth, real-time look at all the race fuel weights and all this kind of stuff. But since we're dealing with Fox News, uh, yeah, we don't get our coverage, coverage on, right on now. Speed it's Channel, just... so it's a little limited coverage on uh, on Fox Sports, and they they cater to the basic. They cater to the NASCAR fan, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Talk about how the lap counter at the top of the screen goes backwards because it starts at sixty yeah. and counts down don't to zero. Don't let that freak you out. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're dealing with that, but that that's fine. We'll make the best of it. And uh, you know, so yeah, Kaz Nakajima, he was doing well for a little while, but. Uh, you know, the, the start got a little tricky, mostly because both Toyotas made terrible starts. And that on the grid, uh, you know, you've got some cars that are starting farther back, and they've actually got quite a bit of speed, and they come up on cars that are nearly stopped or going slow, and people are going around wide on the grass. And, you know, turn one in Silverstone being Cops Curve is a, you know, a sweeping corner, so it's not like everyone's got a break and go single file. Um, we saw some pretty, pretty. I mean, it was kind of four wide in a way with cars going off on the runoff area yeah, and everything. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, a lot of cars lost out in, in the first, and uh, you know, like Jensen Button, for example. Oh, I mean, that's you just know. it. I mean, Truly was fourth on the grid. Jensen was right behind him in sixth. Yeah. And Jensen was off, and Truly was just parked. And, it's, and he's <laughs> got to go around, and he's, he's got to, I mean, Jensen did well not to, you know, get into some he crash. He could have ended up a lot worse than ninth yeah. at, at the end of the first lap, that's for sure. But, uh, you know. Uh, it, it definitely, you know, Jensen potentially could have fought for a podium, potentially. Yeah. That's the best he could have hoped for. And that start of the race basically ended that chance. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, it's weird that both both Toyotas, I mean, you can understand, okay, one guy, one driver just kind of, you know, dumps the clutch, just gets it a little bit wrong or a little more wheel spin than they wanted or whatever. But to have both cars, you kind of wonder if there's something with, you know, they don't have launch control, but something with the engine maps or something that's just not right there. That uh, the Toyota's got to look at because they and we were talking about. I mean, they're actually still third in the dry, in the constructors' championship, and um, and I mean again, truly collected two points today. Yeah, they've gotten points, but I've, you know, they, there was a while there we were hoping this could be a pole, this could be a win. You know, they were doing really well, and uh, and it, I guess I, you know my theory is that they they just haven't kept pace with development. I think they're maybe unsure a little bit about um, is it going to happen? Is, is Formula One going to be worthwhile in 2010? They've been in the sport what nine years now without a win, and they really really want it, but. At the same time, I think the, you know the, the management of a huge corporation like that can't just blindly throw money, and they kind of they kind of want to hold back a little bit and see what's going to happen. And but, again, I mean, this is what we were talking about earlier today: is that towards the beginning of the season, they were really looking like, wow, they're really on the cusp of having that speed and being a front-running car, and now they're just slowly but surely trickling back to the midfield again. Yeah, they don't seem to be able to do the same kind of mid-season development that the other teams can do. They're just, for whatever reason, their mindset, their strategy, just doesn't have the capacity for that, and so they start stronger and they slowly but surely fall behind. It's like one of Yarno Trulli's races. Oh. Starts out great, halfway through, he just needs a nap or whatever. You I don't just know. blew my mind. It just kind of it just kind of goes apart there. Other notable entries, though, actually, um, Giancarlo Fisichella um, was was doing well today in the Force India. I mean, you'd hope he'd do well because it's uh, you know they're 
Force India is based across the street from Silverstone. Tenth they do place, a lot of though. testing That's there. That's not bad. But uh, yeah, started 16th and ended 10th. And that, that, I mean, there were two retirements, so that, that helped him a little bit. But uh, there was a while he was in the points there, and we were wondering, you know, with the way pit stops and everything would shuffle through, he, they might get their first point of the year. Um, didn't quite end up uh, end up that way, but you know, solid drive to end up in tenth. Absolutely, good work. And, and I mean, and it was also we have to give it credit to Fisichella the fact that it is Fisichella, not Sutil, because Sutil was actually a rocket at Friday practice. He was in the top five. I think he was third in second practice. Yep. I mean, he was really really strong at the beginning of the weekend. But again, maybe it's just really light fuel loads. Not really. A, well, that, a, I mean, a having, race having pace. a big crash in qualifying means. Oh, right, you, you that know, didn't help. There either, was did that, it? so they had to rebuild the car. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have that. all the time on track. Yeah, so you know that that hurt him. And uh, Sutil ended up seventeenth. You know, second last of the of the runners. So, uh, what about the toilet bowl ro- reward? I, I've got uh, I've got my uh, my uh, name in for Sebastian Bourdais. Yeah, man. Um, didn't need to run into the back of Kovalainen, I don't think. That yeah, that was a, a bit tricky. We didn't get a whole lot of analysis on that one, but it looks like. Uh, you know, he just, I don't know if his attention was, was caught elsewhere for a second or what. I mean, the, the guy can do a 24-hour race and, and you know, rain strong and do well there. Was, Bordet was quite, quite impressive at, at Le Mans in the but Peugeot. But for some reason, the, I don't know, the F1 car just doesn't suit him. I mean, Champ Car is great, you know, whatever. Yeah, oh, but, sure. but uh, you know, if it's a nice Peugeot, he can drive the drive the heck out of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was too bad. I mean, it was mid-race, and both guys were, were mid-pack and uh, near mid-low pack, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and it, it ended both of their days. I mean, that was that was too bad, but... Um, you know, for only only two retirements, it's it, you know it could be a lot worse. And to to have most cars running, and uh, you know every it was uh, eleven cars on the lead lap, and uh, and everyone else was you know nobody was two laps behind. It wasn't wasn't too big of a disparity in speed. So uh, you know it's it's been it's been good. And also, I mean, having um, you know they've been talking about too Force India. Yeah, they're the they're the you know lowest place team. They don't have a point yet. But it's not like it was even a couple of years ago where the last place team was, you know, four seconds, five seconds off the leader. I mean, these guys are within, you know. Not just- even. I mean, when I was, when I first started really getting into F1, this is right around the late 90s, early early 2000, um, it wasn't uncommon for Minardi to be seven, eight seconds behind, you know, Ferrari, Michael Schumacher and the Ferrari. I mean, and they had a rule. God, I don't remember exactly what it is, but something like you couldn't be more than like- 7% slower yeah. than the fastest guy. And there were a couple of times where Minardi was right on the cusp of that. And like I said, we're talking, you know, six, seven, eight seconds behind yeah. on a single lap sometimes. I mean, so the amount they've been able to tighten that up from best to worst is, is quite impressive. And this is a matter of, you know, you know, six, seven years. Yeah. So we, we're not seeing cars, you know, two, three laps back. Um, we didn't have any, you know, had any... There was a, a couple, of, you know, damaged wings. I mean, the, the BMWs, was a, it was a sad story today. Um, wow. Heidfeld did have to come in to get a new wing. Um, you know, Heidfeld ended 15th and Kubica at 13th. Um, well, they're just the exact opposite of a Cinderella story, I would say. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like you take Cinderella and play it backwards. And you get BMW. I mean, yeah. And, and, just, and, and speaking of that, I, I want to look at the fastest laps a little bit today because uh, for the most part, it follows the the teams very closely. You got Vettel and then Weber in the two uh, Red Bull Renaults. The only ones in the 120s, by the way. Yes, and then, like I mentioned uh, previously, Nico Rosberg, uh, you know, nipping in there in third. But then you have both Braun Mercedes cars, uh, led by Jensen Button, fourth fastest lap, Rubens fifth. Both Ferraris, Felipe sixth fastest, Kimi seventh. Both Toyotas, Timo Glock ahead of Jarno Trulli. And then um, Giancarlo Fisichella sneaks a nice lap in there, and then he's mixed in there with Kaz. And then Fernando Alonso. But then again, you have both BMW Saubers in 13th and 14th. And uh, the fastest lap does, I think, give you a good indication of what's going on here. And if the BMW uh, 
both drivers being able to manage a uh, you know, 13th and 14th, that, that's not good. Yeah, that's not the, an unlucky thing. That's just the car does not have the pace. And speaking of which, speaking of cars, cars not having the pace, uh, Heike had the 15th fastest lap. Lewis Hamilton had the 18th fastest lap. Yeah, those guys oh, God. just got to be. Mixing it in with the STRs. I mean, I feel like McLaren's moving backwards still. Oh, man, they weren't even just... this bad earlier in the season. I mean, this, this it's, it's astonishing because, you know, especially Lewis Hamilton qualifying, you know, at the beginning of his, of his career, it was like, you know, he'd never qualified lower than third for a while. You know? Oh, yeah, never, never he'd... missed the Q3. Right. He'd always been in Q3 until this recent string of this season where he's, he, you know, this is like his second or third straight race where he was out in the first qualifying session. So it's been, again, the reverse Cinderella. I mean, yeah. he's had yeah. his moment and that car is just not up to it. And, uh, you know, with, with all the political nonsense and their whole... Uh, you know, lying to the press and that whole scandal that's come and gone, and then and now everything with uh, you know Ron Dennis is out, and it's like a whole reshuffling. You just kind of wonder, will McLaren be able to actually get up, you know, get together and get up and and be back in there? And you know, it's it, we got if you take the long view, I think there's no reason they can't get you know back into being a successful team, but I can't see that happening. Well, know, it's ironic. I, I mean, there's rumors uh, about Nico Rosberg maybe moving, making a move to McLaren for next year, and and that is still considered a desirable move. McLaren is still considered a top team. Yeah. You know, Ferrari has had bad seasons before. McLaren's had bad seasons before. But they're still seen as consistent front-running teams. And even to that point, I mean, Braun GP, you know, they're, they're having a fantastic season. Ross Braun is incredibly smart when it comes to managing a race team. But they're still a little bit more of a tenuous, lower-budgeted, not as secure, not more of a guaranteed spot. Yeah, and it's possible that this latest development with the Red Bull is the first change of that to say, you know, maybe the Red Bull car is now genuinely faster and they may this may be sort of the start of that threat, but we don't know yet, and we'll see in three weeks' time from, uh, from Germany. It'll be quite interesting because, you know, you know all the guys that have been, uh, you know, getting bored with, uh, you know, Jensen running away with it. I don't think you have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this could be this this could be the start of a change. But uh, you know, I, I like Jensen. I hope uh, he can continue to do well. And I hate to see a team start out really well and and, and go poorly. So, yeah, I, I genuinely felt bad for the guy. But I mean, you know, uh, truthfully, the race overall was a bit dry. There wasn't. I mean, it was <laughs> extremely straightforward for Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, there was some, there was some great action for like thirteenth and fourteenth. Oh, I mean, yeah. there were some I mean, good... there was some dices between Hamilton and Alonso, which were fun to watch. But I mean, it was for you know, it was for the crumbs left over. Yeah. So they were still sucking on Red Bull's fumes, regardless. Yep. So anyway, uh, because of twenty four hours of Le Mans and all the just ridiculous Oprah like politics that's been going on. Uh, the the mailbag has been just stuffed full, hasn't it? It has. So let's do some listener feedback. All right, like you said, there's lots uh, lots of feedback from uh, the last couple of weeks, and uh, curiously, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of feedback regarding the trivia music. Um, that's that's somehow become a an F1 show hey, point of contention. Don't go there yet. That's a whole other thing. But don't don't go there. Well, it's feedback about trivia, so okay. we're going to mix sections on more that. to come. Okay, um, we've got uh, we've got. What do we, I mean, people on the Facebook page, uh, if you're not part of the, tons not a fan tons of the F1 show, the Facebook just page. search for us on there or go to facebook.f1show.com. Um, uh, we got, you know, Will Carver that said, uh, if we want authentic British food, uh, we should get a chicken tikka masala. Thanks for the, the, the hint of that. Apparently that's the uh, most popular dish in the U.K. Which I did for lunch. Thank you very much. Yes. Although for dinner, we, we might as well mention this here. 
Oh, we had our we this we've been looking forward to this for like half the season. I've been talking about this since April. I know, and we we did our fish and chips. We went to a to a great pub uh, in in Ann Arbor and uh, had a tasty fish and chips, and it was great. Have you ever seen a University of Michigan shirt roaming around London or anywhere in Europe? That is uh, the University of Michigan hometown, Ann Arbor, Michigan, where both Jim and I grew up, and uh, that's where we were, right down downtown, <laughs> downtown Ann Arbor, and uh, had some proper fish and chips. Yes. Um, also, Derek Krola, who's a repeat uh, repeat contributor to the F1 show, um, had you know helped us out by rating the show on on iTunes, which is great because for a while there we had a, a you know a lot of good feedback from fans, but a poor rating on iTunes. So thanks for uh, very going, much going so. to the iTunes store and just you know giving us a rating. We're not asking you to give us an amazing rating. Give us whatever you give think. us an honest rating. Give yes. us whatever you think we're worth, and uh, hopefully that's something good. And let's uh, go ahead and assume it's amazing. Yes, and uh, you know, and, and he says you know that our show is is proof that Americans get Formula One. Um, and it's you know nice remedy from having to suffer speed TV coverage. And <laughs> unfortunately, you know, like like we mentioned, you know, I've I've seen one race covered by BBC and one by ITV, and uh, and it, it's amazing. Um, you know, we we like our guys. You know, yeah, our, I the, mean, they, the commentators they on do speed. they do a lot with a little. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the budget that the BBC has and ITV has compared to the budget that Speed TV gives uh, Bob Varsha and company is is quite a bit different. Yes. So. Um, and I also, in, in that same vein, I also want to thank Nick Krause, who uh, gave us uh, gave us a, a good rating and let us know that we now have a four and a half stars rating out of fifteen people. Yeah, because that's the UK iTunes, and we you know we're in the US iTunes, and it's all it's all tricky. So thank you for that. Um, also, yeah, you know James Payne, um, another repeat uh, feedbacker, feeder back, whatever. Um, you know, feeder he, he, back. Yeah. That does not sound right. Okay, whatever. Feedbacker. Um, Curves may have been a good idea in theory, but its execution has been poor. Um, he won't be sad to see it go, and I think we, we're in complete agreement there. Yeah, unfortunately, I am sad to see it go, actually, in some ways, but I, I completely understand why it's going. And also, we have to apologize to James Payne because James Payne, apparently we misrepresented him slightly. We uh, used him as a reference for people that were getting bored of uh, Jensen Button's dominance, and he said he couldn't have been happier for Button. He just wants good racing, basically, is all he was trying to say. So we, we misrepresented him just a little bit there, and we owe an apology. So yes. sorry to James. Um, also, um, we've got uh, um, Steve Outeridge, uh, first-time contributor, as far as I know, and uh, he just who likes to get his fix after the race is over, and rather than being bummed out, like, man, we got to go to work tomorrow, the race is over, everything's done, he can listen to our show. So You, you are welcome. Yes, and we, that's, that's part of our fun looking forward to the weekend, is uh, we get to do the, watch the race and, and do the show. Um, Paul Peard posits, you know, wonders, um, could FOTA actually get a series together in time for next year, or is the breakaway just the last stand in their fight with Max and Bernie? And like we said... I would be just blown out of the water if they could actually put together a series and make all the deals that need to be made. And I mean, they have to, they're talking about writing specs for cars, then designing, then building, then racing those cars. You well, know, I mean, almost certainly what they do is they'd start with a 2009 car and make a very, very similar car to that and then move forward from there. That would be my first guess. Well, are there, I mean, are there legal, like, you know, is that like intellectual property that belongs to the, you know, FIA, though? I mean, they say, oh, well, we came up with these regulations, and this is FIA Formula One regulations, so you can't use that. Uh, I, I mean, don't know. I, I think I that would be really hard-pressed. But I think, actually, I'd like to say in general, we got um, from my blog post on F1show.com, we had a lot of good uh, feedback from Paul, uh, also from Michael and from Tom and uh, I think from one other guy, yeah, Tim Meekins. And uh, it was all very well thought out, uh, good comments that uh, added to this conversation. It is a serious, serious issue, and um, uh, it, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of talk about it, especially in the coming weeks. And so we, we appreciate all of that. 
Yeah, also there's some question um, Karen Drayton mentioned about, uh, you know, having the British Grand Prix, having it back at Silverstone because there was an announcement made. Um, but just to clarify on what the announcement was is Bernie Ecclestone says there will be a British Grand Prix next year. If Donington Park isn't ready and it looks like they may not be, um, then it'll be at Silverstone. So, Which I think, doesn't that contradict some of the stuff he said in the past? Right. Because I could sworn that in the past he said, you know what? Even if Donington Park isn't ready, fine, we just won't have a British Grand Prix. Right, and I think there's been enough backlash against that that they have sort of given this to the fans and said, okay, okay, fine. And and like we saw, I mean, the attendance there, even on Saturday, was like was like more than you get in a lot of races, you know, talking about Turkey and China and Hungary and some of these places. And uh, it's it just seems totally perverse if they decide not to have a British Grand Prix um, or even not having it Silverstone is kind of questionable in my mind, but... Um, to it's it's you know teams are based all around in that area there's a huge number of fans i mean a huge number of people that know people that work for the teams and are sort of part of the extended sort of formula one industry to not have a race in britain which is like you know one of the epicenters of of formula one technology is is just really perverse so yeah um that was a big showing of kind of, of bernie's ego getting in the way of just saying oh well, if they can't get to you know make a deal with us then screw them and that's yeah. i think entirely well, what wrong was it a 17 year contract that he signed with donnington it was just something absurd yeah you know and uh, i also since we're talking about it, i just want to say in general thank you for the feedback about our 24 hours of Le Mans special uh, uh we, we didn't we had no idea what was going to come of that and how it was going to sound and how you guys were going to react and so we just we just kind of said it was it was it was it was fun for us to do. It was a challenge. Um, we may or may not do it next year, and if we do, they definitely do some things differently. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was it was interesting, and, and like you said, when we were done, it was we were super. It was super early the next day. It wasn't even late at that point. It was uh, early, and uh, we just pretty much posted it online with very with no editing or anything to it. Yeah, so I'm that, glad, I'm glad it was interesting or entertaining for some people because yeah. we didn't really know what we were going to get out of it. So, but yeah, but I appreciate that. It, it was it was an experience. Yeah, <laughs> I think honestly, to be honest, the, I think the single biggest mistake we made with that there was just simply not enough White Castle involved. <laughs> don't even get me started on that. <laughs> you didn't even have any. Yeah, that's don't so don't get me started on it. Oh, I see. Oh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I also want to big you know thanks to Tim Meekins. He's got a lot of uh, interesting information and, and predictions. But he mentioned that uh, Bernie Ecclestone bought the rights to the name GP One right after the GP Two race started. Yes. Um, and GP2 is owned by Flavio Briatore and, uh, so, and, and possibly even Bernie. I'm so. pretty sure he keeps GP2 on a yacht. I'm not positive about that. <laughs> All the races are on just various <laughs> yachts yeah, around exactly, the world. Yeah. No, so you know, if, if these chips start to fall, you know, there could be GP2 could be the built-in support race, you know, support series for GP1. And you know, it's, it's also questionable is, what is where does Bernie Ecclestone need to go? Because he's not part of the FIA. I mean, he's the rights holder to FOM and – Formula One management. Yeah, so it's kind of unclear. He may break away with the teams and start his own thing. And But then that's the thing. Everyone's talking like, about how Max Mosley is the devil. And here's the thing. Bernie was the devil up until a few months ago. That's what I don't get. I mean, for the longest time, a big thing was the teams were against Bernie because you don't give us enough of the pie. Like, you, Formula One management takes half of the pie all on its own, and the rest of it is split up against all ten teams. Yeah, well, and, and this goes on. I mean, the point Tim's makes is, uh, you know, Bernie, you know, Bernie is a businessman. He'll make the money he can make, you know, whether and if the money goes to, um, you know, if a better series starts to look better, if GP1 starts to look better than Formula 1, um, you know, he seems like less likely to have a political affiliation and decide what's what's right in the world. He'll say, OK, well, if there's more money to be made here and he can bring in the, the, the partners and sponsors and so on, he'll do so. So yeah, I think that's yeah. a good point. And, and he said, you know, destroying F1 is unpalatable as it seems. And then rebuilding a new series from the ashes may be the only way to remove the, the money leeches of the CVC bankers from the equation. It's possible. And it's interesting that the CVC bankers are the money leeches now. I, I, I thought that was fascinating. But 
I can't emphasize enough. It it won't work. It won't work. Yeah. I, it's just going to be awful for everybody. I, 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 honestly, everyone, every single fan of ours that isn't in the U.S., take a look at the history of CART v. IRL in the U.S. or even ALMS v. Grand Am in the U.S. or, I don't know, NHRA versus IHRA in the U.S. It never, ever, ever works, ever. <laughs> I think we've made the point clear. Um, Daniel Jewell also uh, agrees with us that uh, you know that would be self-destructive, and the FIA is needed in principle. Um, and, and I agree with this. You know, as sort of an uninterested party to come up with specifications and advance you know safety precautions, and you know to really kind of keep everything in line. But you know, you know, Mad, the ego of Mad Max and his followers is no longer needed. It represents the views of the team, sponsors, organizers, or most importantly, the fans. Well, so I think I think that may be the first step of any solution. Might be getting rid of Max Mosley. And that's the funny thing. I mean, we talk about all these different things that needs to happen and can't happen, and what will all these different scenarios. If two people were out of the picture, this would get ninety percent better instantly. And I'm talking, of course, of Max Mosley and Bernie Ecclestone. These guys are still the core, the root problems here. I'm still throwing Bernie in that list. Maybe some people don't think of him as as poorly as I do, but I, I think I think the two of them are detrimental to the sport. And the interesting thing about Bernie, don't forget, Bernie started his life in Formula One as a team owner. Yeah. So I don't know. I it, I, I don't think either one of them are ultimately good for what's interesting in sport. Neither of them seem to care about the fans, and that's truly who you need to keep uh, you know take care of the most. Yeah, because ultimately that's where the the money comes from originally. Um, so okay, we also just quick shout out to uh, thanks to uh, Toronto John for the comments on our uh, on our Lamar special. Is that really his name, Toronto John? I don't know. That's awesome. Uh, Paul Peard, who evidently was at at Lamar, and uh, that's cool to uh, to hear from him. He was there and uh, appreciated our coverage. Um, but also uh, Murky, who just you know gave us the complete rundown on cause oh yes UK versus Great Britain versus England versus um, this all stems from my faux pas of calling. Of saying that Ireland is part of the UK, which no. which it isn't, which is not, and I corrected him, but I wasn't quite correct in my correction. Um, I'll try to give this the <laughs> the quick uh, the quick rundown. I mean, this this email is, is astonishing in the detail, but uh, don't don't read the whole email. I won't. But uh, so okay, so the UK Ireland's is, not part is of Northern the UK. Ireland and England and Scotland and Wales. Great Britain is England, Scotland, and Wales. Ireland is part of the British Isles, although the British Isles is not actually a political entity. That's just kind of what it's called, those areas. My head hurts. There's the Channel Islands, Guernsey, Jersey, etc. are part of the British Islands, affiliated to but not part of the UK, and they have their own governance. Jim, he goes, no, he, he goes on. He goes on to talk about how it works in the Olympics. It I works can't one see way. out of my left they eye. They play football against each other. And Please stop. But thank you for, thank you for setting us straight on that. Uh, Shut up. Is it over? Yes, it's over. Okay. <sighs> All right. Oh, gosh. So I think it's time... For some trivia. Oh. But um, real quick, uh, if you want to join the, all these people that we, that we thanked and that we uh, were able to read their information on the air, um, go to the Facebook page or you can send email to feedback at F1show.com. Or Twitter. Or, yeah, we have a Twitter account. Follow twitter.com slash the F1 show. And uh, we post little updates on there. We were doing a bunch of updates for our 24-hour stuff, and we try to keep you guys up to date on uh, what's going on there. So you can uh, follow us there and also, you know, send messages at us, and uh, that'll be great. Oh, and let me throw out real quick since we're talking about it. Um, check out – we have a link on the Facebook page. Check out our YouTube video. We did some uh, laps at a track here in Michigan called Grat- Grattan Raceway. It's a cool little place. And we were buzzing around in a Mini Cooper S. Yes. And it was cool. That was good stuff. So that, that link we promised you in the last episode, or two episodes ago, is there. And uh, check it out. Some cool videos. And, and you can see um, that, you know, not only do we know how to speak on a podcast and watch Formula One, 
we've also driven around some racetracks, and maybe that gives us a little bit of credibility. I don't Ain't know. that something? Ain't that something? Okay, let's move on. It's yes. time for trivia. 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 Okay, it is on. It is on. If you notice, that was the old trivia song back. Jim and I, our star debut is back, and the reason is is because. After one guy said, I don't like the old song, we had, what, four or five guys say, no, no, we do like the Dude, old I think song. We, I think we have, like, ten votes for that now. I, I should go through and count up an email and Facebook and everything. People people just, I don't know why, but they like, the, uh, they like our little trivia singing. So this is what's going to happen. We're going to play the old song, and we're voting on this. It is up to you, the fans, to speak your voice. We have 290 fans on Facebook. I want 290 votes on which song is better. Because otherwise... Let's settle this once and for all, guys. It's the old song once again. So for all you folks that like the new stuff, you're, you're, you're hosed unless you speak your mind. Alrighty. This is really a big deal, Robin. You need to make a big deal out of this. Oh, I thought I just did. I hadn't? I can make it bigger. <laughs> I'm just glad that you Dude! did. Dude! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Off to business. Okay, last week we had what I thought was a brilliant trivia question. It was a little bit more straightforward, but it was still an interesting thing to talk about. The question was... What was the biggest margin of victory for the Drivers' Championship in Formula 1 history, and who won that championship? It was a twofer. Yes. And so we had, we had a, quite a few guesses. I think almost all of them were Michael Schumacher. Which is true, but a lot of people got their year wrong. Many people said it was the 2004 championship that he did it, and that's not true. It was the 2002 championship, and if you'll remember, the reason why is even though he scored a crap load of wins in 2004... The FIA in Formula 1 had changed the point scoring system from 10 points for first place, 6, six points for second, and down to sixth. 10 points for first place, 8 points for second, all the way down to eighth. That happened between 2002 and 2004. Well, it was a, it was a result of 2000. It was like in, in response to his dominance yep. in 2002. So um, the answer, of course, is Michael Schumacher in the 2002 World Championship, and he won with a margin of 67 points. That's outstanding. <laughs> That's a That's, lot of points. Yeah, I've forgotten uh, those, those. So that for much. the for the for the people, and it, it's it's getting hard to look because we've had so much activity on the Facebook page and comments and everything else. It's actually kind of hard to see everybody. But for those who guessed the 2002 championship, you're absolutely right. Uh, congratulations, you guys earned yourself a Coke. Go get it. You guys know where to get it, and uh, uh, drink with pride. Yes. Okay. So moving forward, we have a new question. And uh, we're still kind of going along with this speed and dominance kind of theme here. Uh, this time, though, we're going for pole positions. Mm -hmm. When we want to know who holds the record for the most pole positions in a single season, and what season was it, and how many poles did he get? There's so a little guess. So this is, not, this is not overall poles in, it was not in the world. It was not Danica Patrick. She <laughs> did not peak, and she did not win. Right. So... Uh, yeah, how many poles? And it wasn't before 1950 either. Yeah, it wasn't let's, an screwball. This is not. Yeah, this, this is this is reasonable modern era Formula One stuff. So pole position in a single season. How many did the person get, and what year did they do it? Yes. Okay. Oh, and uh, we have a couple more hints. It was neither Tiago Montero, nor was it Adrian Sutil. As but they do actually share the record for the most 20th place qualifying results in a single season. <laughs> Which which was great. We we found, record, a, we found a whole new resource oh. for stats, so uh, oh we are coming gosh. at you with some weird stuff now. That's great. So anyway, yeah, uh, uh, let us know what you think. See if, if you got it right. If you do, great. If you don't, we'll tell you who it is next podcast. All right, but I am really excited about predictions.
Yes, it is predictions, and boy, did uh, we get it wrong. Oh, <laughs> well, speak for yourself, buddy. Well, okay, we'll get there. <laughs> but let's let's go for the big ones first, the big fish. Uh, button on pole, button to win, that was yours. No. Nope. Button on pole, button to win, that was mine. We really, we both went button to win? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, because it was inevitable. Home race. Obviously. Obviously, it was going to happen. Yeah. How'd that go for us? That, uh, not, not well. Go battle. <laughs> yeah, where's, there's that voice coming out of the yeah, sky again. Something. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, not button <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. We did have some people predict that it was going to be Red Bull's time and to turn it around. So some people have won a Coke. Well, okay, people. Daniel, Daniel Jewell said button pole, button for the win. Um, that's, that, we know how that worked out. Well, we did get an e- email from Anonymous who actually did guess Vettel first, Weber second, and Rubens Barrichello third. Oh, that was AJ, man. And that, and <laughs> which was uh, very impressive, but he did make those predictions after qualifying. So right. that was a little bit of a cheater. So uh, I think it's fair that you'll get a Diet Coke. And, um, and Massa was not 13th, and Alonso did not get a top five, and PK wasn't last. Yes. So a you know small Diet Coke that you share with your friends. Yes, however... The oddball predictions, because, okay, we decided button, button, that was, you know, that's... It's just getting it's, old. It's so safe, but it's... Who would get 13th place? And, and impressively, <laughs> just clairvoyance of Jim Lau predicting that Robert Kubica would indeed get 13th place. Congratulations, oh, Jim yeah. Lau. That was accurate. I owe you a Coke and a half for that one. That That's... That's a tough. That's needle in a haystack stuff. Yeah, that had a 1 in 20 chance, right? And uh, there it was. I guess Sutil. Just idiot. <laughs> He let me down. Yeah, with that crash and qual- I mean, he had a chance for 13th, but then with the crash, you know, it really just kind of went away. So yeah, it was lower than that. That didn't work out. Yes. But uh, thanks, people, for sending in your predictions. And we actually had one suggestion to set up our own, like, fantasy F1 league where people yeah, could actually put in their that. predictions and see how that would have transpired. And that's, that's, that's real high tech for us. You know, we're more pencil and paper kind of guys. So Actually, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you just said that. But, uh, no, it's, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll see if we can. Uh, yeah, with it, it's definitely a curious idea. We've, we've had that suggestion in the, far, in, in the past, and we kind of said, eh, I don't know. Well, what's weird is because um, online betting has whole different, le- whole different rules in the U.S., so uh, it's actually we don't have any sites where we can bet on it. I think there's some rules against fantasy stuff. And for one thing, a lot of the, the U.K. sites don't let us register with a U.S. credit card. Whatever. It's a little bit tricky with some of them, but we'll try to get oh, around it. this was for money? Some of these are for money, yeah. You can actually bet on it oh, and, uh, and do that. And, and some of them are just, uh, you know, and I guess no one, there's not enough people in the U.S. that know, you know, they would set up a fantasy league, so it's a little different. But hopefully we can find something that's international and, uh, and get that set up. So we'll, we'll play with that and probably by the time for next season um, we'll have that in place. Because uh, I think it would be interesting to see how, how accurate overall, you know, how if, if, if I picked my guys, you know, whatever from the yeah, outside, sure, how that sure. actually worked out. Maybe there would be more than a Coke on the line Could after be. After all. Could be. All right, but we've got to move forward. Okay, Germany. Yes. Nürburgring. Yes. A lot of people's home race here. Yeah, for five teams, Germans, I believe, for in engine a, manufacturers, oh, I mean, yeah. with all the Mercedes cars on the grid. I mean, Nico Rosberg, Adrian Sutil, some guy Timo named Vettel. Glock, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and there's, there's another German there. I think I'm missing one. So there's a lot of, oh, Nick Heidfeld. So, I mean, a lot of Germans here wanting to show off in front of their home peeps. Yes. Braun says that they'll be back up and, you know, back at it. They say, okay, Nürburgring is going to suit our style. So it could be Braun's return to form. Should I pencil you in for a Heidfeld then on pole? No. No. Oh. 13th maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man, I hope, I hope for their own sake BMW can do well because they've got a whole suite there. The They're BMW gonna, grandstands. No, it it's not going to happen. No, it's, it's really not. That's no. too bad. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, um, 
I'm gonna. I think the Red Bulls with this update uh, have really, very really strong. come into their very, own. Very I think it's gonna work. I think Vettel is gonna be on pole. Ooh, 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 ooh. But okay. you know what? Uh huh. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm going Mark Weber. Mark Weber. Mark Weber. I think. Oh. I think he's gonna. He's gonna channel the frustration of this weekend. So that's that's Vettel on pole. Mark Weber for 13th and Heidfeld for the win. You know, yeah, something like that. Okay. No, come on. Give me, give me Weber. Weber for the Weber win. Weber for the win. All right. We'll, well see. you just made uh, James Payne's day. Okay, who's going to be thirteenth? Thirteenth, you're 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 batting a thousand on this I'm, one. I'm big on this one. Um, <laughs> you don't want to ruin. I'm the going Fisichella. Fisichella, really? You think he's going to channel this uh, strong British showing and 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 make it happen in Germany, huh? Oh yeah, make thirteenth happen. Yeah, I'll make thirteenth. Well, yeah. I mean that's for a force India car. That's not that's bad. Pretty darn good. Well, huh. okay. Well, I agree with you on the strength of the Red Bull cars quite a bit. I. I'm going to throw out um, something in left field. Michael Schumacher is going to get in that car and take it and put it on pole. Close. Oh. Massa on pole. Oh. Massa on pole. The Ferrari is, is incrementally getting a little bit better. I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to get a little bit better. And Massa's that fiery Massa guy. He's got that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going for that. I'm going to leverage on that. I am putting Button back in victory lane, though. Okay. Button for the win. And the reason I'm doing that is because I really like the guy. And I want him to do well. That's a really good basis for making predictions. As opposed to mine, which I have a dartboard over here. And I just kind of throw stuff at it. I don't even have darts. I have, I have <laughs> empty Red Bull cans. I don't even have a dartboard for that matter. <laughs> it really, it's amazing that they stick as well as they do. I've it's, always been It's really something, that. yeah. It's uh, the technology we've got But here. who's going to be 13th? I mean, that one's, that one's a little less straightforward. Oh, uh, man. Don't go with a safe bet. Don't go with Kubica. There's, there, I, uh, Kaz Nakajima. Okay, there you go. Kaz Nakajima. Okay. It's going to happen. Now, normally, this is when I come in with some clever way to uh, tie into the performance box and say that it's a great lap time or performance meter, you know, or anything car nut wants to see, yada, 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 go guy one, performancedrift.com. However, we're doing something brand new. This is called the F1 Show Challenge, and we don't have intro music for it yet because we're not exactly sure. This is another one of our little test bed things. Although, I don't know. F1 Show Challenge! There we go. <laughs> now, um, what this is, is it's not a trivia question. It's a challenge question, and we're going to do it live right on the radio right now. I'm going to ask Jim a challenge question, and he's going to answer it. Now, here's what's really slick about this. It is something that all the fans can participate in. So this is the question that Jim has to answer. First of all, you got to blank your computer screen. No cheating. I am really fast with Wikipedia. Just I know. <laughs> I know this. So, okay, I'm going to time you. Oh, boy. And what you need to answer is name. Wait, what's my time limit here? There is no time limit. You have to name. Oh, every, it's how quickly can I do this? Every single one of the current drivers on the F1 grid, full names, and as fast time as possible. And we're going to start in three, two. One, go. Jensen Button, Rubens Barrichello, Kimi Räikkönen, and Felipe Ma You can't even run them down this You're fast. You're going too fast. Nick Heidfeld, Rob Kubica. Um, we got uh, Timo Glock, Jono Trulli, Adrian Sutil, Giancarlo Fisichella. You're going to have to name some of them twice. You're going too fast. <laughs> oh, boy. We got Kaz Nakajima, Nico Rosberg. Um, I, I've, I've forgotten where I am now. Um, <laughs> I've got eight. Okay. Um, oh, and I've got, what are there, 20? Yeah. Oh, boy. Adrian Sutil. Oh, I said those guys already. <laughs> um, well, now I can see your page. No, you so. haven't said Adrian Sutil. Oh, Adrian Sutil and Fisichella. I thought okay, I said Okay, you got those now. Oh, man. These guys at home are going to kill me. Um, we've uh, 
see, no, I did the, the Ferrari guys, the McLaren guys. Oh, uh, Lewis Hamilton. You did I know, the Ferrari I, guys I know already? That. Yeah, I said that at the you beginning. you got to say them again because I didn't oh, get that. Oh, man. Okay. The Ferrari guys. Give me, give me right kidding. Come on. Felipe Massa. Okay. Lewis Hamilton, who's yep. his teammate. Hecky Kovalainen. Yep. He represents the Lollipop Guild. All right. I've got, um, I've got six to go, and you're at 55 seconds. Oh, man. This is not going like a... No, this, this, we need a better system for this. <laughs> <laughs> you got six more. Clock's running. Um, I, I see I need, I need like a checklist to say what, which ones I've already That's said. the whole point is that you don't have a checklist. I don't have that's a checklist. why it's a challenge. Oh, man, this is a challenge. See, that's what the point of this. It's an easy question, but it's challenging because it's a time constraint and your, your clock's still running. Six, good, six to go. Oh, man. You so better you, name names and see if I check them off or not. Okay. Um, did you get uh, – well, I already did uh, Robert Kubica and, uh, and Nick Heidfeld. That's done. Um, Timo and Yarno, you got those. Timo Glock, Aaron Trulli. Yes, yes, full yes, yes, yes. Like, I need to, to answer yes, me. Yes, yes, yes. Um, minute and a half, dude. This dude, is sad. I know, but this is more confusing than anything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I already said them all, dude. Dude, you didn't. There's still six to go. I haven't checked off six names. So you better start naming them again. Oh, boy. Um, who, Two minutes, six to go. Dude. No hints. All right. Um... I don't even know, man. I, I'm I'm blanking now because you're you're, you're you're wigging me out. You're fizzling out. All here. right, so stop me at two minutes. What who did I forget? Two minutes and five seconds is what we're. Uh, you did not have Fernando Alonso or Nelson Piquet. No, they're not, they're not current F1 drivers. <laughs> you're wrong. See, because because they're quitting at the end of next year, they're Renault, so that doesn't count. <laughs> you also missed Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber. No, I don't think they're current either. And uh, Sebastian, you missed all the Sebastians. So Sebastian Bourdais and Sebastian Buemi. Okay, yeah, all, all those blue cars with the, with gold and yellow noses, you know, that Vettel. Who's okay, it? so everyone out there, if you can beat the pitiful time of 14 of the 20 drivers in 2 minutes and 5 seconds, you beat Jim and you win a Coke. Oh, yeah, it's easy for them now because they'll have a checklist, see. What? Well, that's not the point. It'll, the point of a you challenge. You like Family Feud style where it shows up at the end, you know, after you say it, like I can see who I've already gotten and, and, and then figure out the Sebastians. But you talk faster than I can check and then there's still no checklist. And the yeah. only thing I can give you is I can give you a checklist and then All you right. have the answers right there. All right. So I, I apparently don't know who's in Formula One anymore. So anyway, here's the deal. When we think of them, when uh, we want to do these, we're going to come up with the F1, challenge, F1 show challengers. And uh, next up is Jim has to come up with one for me. Oh, this will be a good one. And you're going to play play along at home. It, that's that's going to be fun. It's going to be good stuff. Unless you're in the car. Don't play along in the car and time yourself. That's a lot going on. That is, that, that's a bit much. So. Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. That, yeah. Guy's, still in, that guy's still racing. Sebastian right? everything. I don't think he does very well these All days. All kinds so. of Sebastians. Yeah, just they're weren't. just Wemmies and Bordeaux. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So. Fair enough. The F1 Show is brought to you by the Performance Box. A GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data log are perfect for any car not to use. The track days, autocrosses, and simply see what your car can do. Shipping worldwide from VBOX USA. For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. Also, big shout-out today to the Brookwood Studio, where we are currently recording our podcast. Oh, you're going to talk about that. I'm yeah, that's going to that. be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how online this comes out. at brookwoodstudio.com. So if you're in the metro Detroit area and you need something recorded to sound awesome like us, even if you can't name any F1 drivers, then you can come there and, uh, and get it done. Yeah, that's another little, little experiment here. We are at a full-fledged, top-notch, state-of-the-art recording studio today. I sound like James Earl Jones, and uh, it's just... <laughs> we're just telling him that, yeah. And, and uh, we're going to see how this sounds. So we're going to be very interested to hear from you guys to see if you guys notice a difference and if you like it. Absolutely. 
All right. So now that I've uh, made, made an idiot of myself not remembering that there's anybody named Sebastian in Formula One, <laughs> we've got three weeks off. I, unfortunately, will not be joining you for the uh, German Grand Prix. I've got to go ahead and hang my head in shame, and I've got a wedding to go to in the west side of the country. So I will be back in a long time, but uh, until then. I will then, be here, and I will be rocking solo next time around. So, and uh, this has happened twice now. Jim was out for a wedding for the Lamar special for several hours, so... But uh, I had to help my mom there, so that wasn't... You know, yeah, necessary. it happens. Yeah. Anyway, so I will see you guys uh, at the next German Grand Prix. Uh, until then, I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau. See ya! I'm like... No! <laughs> remember all the words Thomas kept coming into my head. I'm like, there's no Tom in Formula One. Oh, man. That's a good idea in theory, though.